This is uh, Dr. Pedro Ramirez, Editor-in-Chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. And today I have the great pleasure of interviewing for this podcast my friend and colleague, Dr. Nicolo Bizzari, who is at Policlinico Gemelli in Rome. And the reason for this podcast is the recent publication in the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology, the great journal, on a manuscript titled, Survival Associated with Extent of Radical Hysterectomy in Early Stage Cervical Cancer, a sub-analysis of the Surveillance in Cervical Cancer Scan Collaborative Study. Nico, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Pedro. And thanks to the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer for giving me this opportunity of being here with you and all our friends of the journal to discuss about this study. Thank you again. Of course. Well, Nico, thank you uh, for accepting our invitation and uh, lots of questions that we want to um, that we want to address. Uh, massive undertaking, many institutions. And uh, for full disclosure, I am actually one of the co-authors of this study as well. Uh, but, you know, certainly uh, quite an undertaking with so many uh, collaborators from around the globe. So I wanted to start by asking you um, to tell our listeners, what is the SCAN consortium? Well, uh, thank you again. And thanks for uh, for um, featuring the SCAN consortium. The SCAN consortium consists of a 20 tertiary center with a large volume of cervical cancer cases from Europe, Asia, North America and Latin America. And it was led by David Sibula in Prague, who was the principal investigator of the main SCAN study. The preparative management of cervical cancer included the use of uh, one modern imaging modalities in clinical staging. Uh, preoperative histology diagnosis of cervical cancer was obtained by uh, punch biopsy of cervical colonization. The cases were discussed in a multidisciplinary team Surgery and histology assessed, uh, assessment were performed by gynecologic oncologists and pathologists were with experience in gynecology. Institutional follow-ups was performed by physicians. So uh, we are talking about a, a consortium of referral center in this disease. Fantastic. And, and Nico, tell us about the primary objective of this particular study. You know, the objective of, of the main scan study was to develop a follow-up strategy based on a prognostic model, and this was initially published in 2021. The primary objective of this sub-study was to assess whether the extent of radical hysterectomy had an impact on five-year disease-free survival in patients with early-stage cervical cancer from the court, which was previously included in the main scan study. Fantastic. And, and uh, what were some of your inclusion criteria and the methodology for this study? For this study, we selected patients with uh, FIGO 2009, stage 1B1 and 2A1, uh, basically uh, tumors below 4 centimeters, who underwent open laparotomy type B or C, including C1 and C2, radical hysterectomy, according to the Curlow-Morrow classification. We excluded patients undergoing neoadjuvant chemotherapy, and we also excluded patients with metastatic lymph nodes at final histology. The decision to perform type B or type C radical hysterectomy was taken based on attending surgeon's preference and adapted to tumor size and preoperative characteristics. Patients were then divided into two groups, 
nerve-sparing radical hysterectomy and non-nerve-sparing radical hysterectomy. And survival analysis was performed before and after propensity match analysis. Great. So now, um, as we want to cover a lot of the questions that we have for the podcast, let's get to the results right away. What did you find? A uh, large number of patients. I believe it was 1,257 patients. What were the highlights of your study? That's right. Well, uh, we showed that non-nerve-sparing radical hysterectomy was associated with improved five-year disease-free survival compared to nerve-sparing radical hysterectomy and represented an independent protective uh, factor for risk of recurrence. When we decided to stratify patients according to the tumor diameter, we showed that non-nerve-sparing radical hysterectomy was associated with better five-year disease-free survival only patients with tumors between 21 and 40 millimeters, but not in patients with tumors below two centimeters. And Nico, what one could one then uh, assume that uh, the less than two centimeters are more so of the like simple hysterectomy and uh, more than two centimeters are more of the traditional radical hysterectomy um, in, in, uh, in evaluating this data? Well, that's right, even though uh, uh, we will discuss probably about the SHAPE trial results, uh, <laughs> we didn't have the simple hysterectomy group in our, in our uh, um, cohort of patients. So from this particular study, we cannot uh, uh, conclude or doing any association between simple hysterectomy and, and uh, small volume or low risk tumors. Great. So now let's get into some of the questions from the um, fellows in the journal. Um, you were a former fellow in the, in the journal and, and certainly yeah. uh, left, left a, a, a mark uh, uh, as, as a fellow in the journal. And I want uh, to acknowledge that beautiful period, beautiful period, uh, really <laughs> still great memories. Thank you, Pedro. Thank <laughs> you, Nico. So this, this question comes uh, from Jessica Mauro. Uh, she's from uh, Italy, uh, North Italy in the Piemonte region. Uh, do, uh, she says, do you have data about the preoperative assessment of these patients? Uh, was the method of evaluation standardized in all centers? In your experience, is there a better assessment method than the others? MRI, ultrasound? Well, thank you for this question, Jessica. The preoperative assessment of cervix cancer included the use of one modern imaging in clinical staging, uh, which uh, particularly referring to magnetic resonance imaging or expert ultrasound, uh, as well as uh, computer tomography or positron emission tomography for uh, like uh, a more extended um, uh, staging. Particularly for tumor extension, this is, was assessed with the MRI scan, which was revised by radiologists dedicated to gynecologic oncology, or it was assessed with expert ultrasound scan. Other studies previously showed that ultrasound scan in expert ants is non-inferior to MRI scan in assessing cervical cancer tumor extension. Great. Um, this next question comes from uh, Guido uh, Balzacchi in Argentina. He mentions um, the study describes defining the various types of radical hysterectomy is a challenge for any surgeon. So how is the information about the type of surgery performed collected? How were the procedures analyzed in this study classified as type B or type C1 
or C2 radical hysterectomy? Well, this is a great question. Institutions included in this study uh, are referral centers, which have adopted the Curlow-Morrow classification of radical hysterectomy since early days from its first publication in 2008. Curlow-Morrow classification, which was subsequently updated in 2017, is a standardized classification of radical hysterectomy with clearly defined anatomical landmarks. Type B1 and B2, radical hysterectomy, in this study were merged together in order to reduce potential bias related to subclassifications, while C1 and C2 were divided also in view of the potential morbidity implications that non-nerve sparing radical hysterectomy has. Excellent. So, um, question from Jorge Hegel in Venezuela. Um, he mentions the diagnosis of some patients in this study followed a cervical colonization. What were the criteria for cervical colonization in some patients who had tumors between two and four centimeters? In other words, why would anybody have a colonization in a tumor greater than two centimeters? Well, thank you for this question. It gives us the opportunity to clarify a little bit this matter. In majority of cases, colonization was performed in patients with tumor below two centimeters. In the very few patients with tumor uh, between two and four centimeters undergoing colonization, this was performed as the surgeon underestimated the tumor diameter before performing the colonizations. In other words, it was unexpected the tumor being so large. Very well. So now um, Luigi De Vitis uh, poses two questions here. The first one, uh, he says, according to the eligibility criteria, uh, we noted that 716 patients who underwent minimally invasive radical hysterectomy were excluded. Do you plan to analyze these patients in the future, or do you have a preliminary analysis that you would like to share? Well, this is a very interesting point. The patients undergoing minimally invasive surgery were excluded in view of the very well-known results of the LAC trial in order to avoid bias. At the moment, the outcomes of this subgroup of patients have not been analyzed, but it might be interesting to see whether the disease-free survival difference is maintained in this group of patients. So thank you, Luigi, for, for bringing up this issue. Now, his second question is regarding, as you mentioned earlier, the SHAPE trial. Um, he mentions the SHAPE trial, which included 91.7% stage 1B1, concluded that simple hysterectomy is oncologically safe for low-risk cervical cancer. I should highlight 1B1 in the old staging, in other words, less than two centimeters. Now, he mentions this is not in contrast with your study results, as you concluded that less radical surgery is safe for tumors less than two centimeters. So given the results of the SHAPE, a prospective randomized trial, and your study also, study over a thousand patients, do you envision that we're going to have a major shift to non-radical surgery for these patients with less than two centimeters in the near future? Well, thank you. Thank you. I was expect expecting a discussion about the SHAPE trial, which results were recently presented. In our study, we included only patients undergoing radical hysterectomy, B or C, and we did not include uh, patients undergoing simple hysterectomy, as it was in the SHAPE trial. 
We did not find a difference when nerve sparing was compared to non-nerve sparing radical hysterectomy in patients with tumor below two centimeters. Nevertheless, even if we cannot draw any conclusion about simple hysterectomy from our study, this confirms that less radical hysterectomy is oncological safe, oncologically safe in uh, small volume, low risk tumors, thus narrowing the indication for radical hysterectomy in early stage cervical cancer. However, we have to say that when indicated radicality of radical hysterectomy and referral to adequately, adequately trained surgeons is essential, as we have already demonstrated by another study from SCAN Consortium. And Nico, um, Sira Sahin Acker from uh, Turkey, um, she has a follow-up question to that. She says, for tumors less than two centimeters, with uh, in your study, there is no survival difference between the two approaches. Um, do, do you see a need for radical hysterectomy for any patient in less than two centimeters? Thank you again for this remark, uh, and thanks, Seda. Uh, as in our study, we did not include patients undergoing simple hysterectomy. We cannot conclude that simple hysterectomy is enough for patients with tumors below two centimeters from our results. However, for sure, our study gives a signal going in the same direction of the SHAPE trial results. Yeah, and, and I think also, I think that uh, the, the um, just as a comment here, the fact that all of these questions are uh, arising is that I think that many readers will look into this data and say, well, a uh, non-nerve sparing radical hysterectomy basically to many oncologists means a simple hysterectomy. And I think that that's why there's a lot of questions about the uh, the less than two centimeters sure. in this in this group. Um, now, Nico, uh, this question goes back to uh, Guido uh, Valsaki in Argentina. And he says, given that the study shows uh, a difference in five-year disease-free survival, but no difference in the five-year overall survival, when comparing nerve sparing versus non-nerve sparing radical hysterectomy, and that according to other studies, the morbidity of non-nerve sparing surgery is, uh, is higher, uh, what type of surgery would you offer to a patient with a stage 1B2 cervical tumor according to the FIGO 2018? So in other words, uh, a patient with tumors 2 to 4 centimeters. Well, thank you, Guido, for this question. According to our uh, results, uh, non-nerve sparing radical hysterectomy is uh, advised in order to improve disease-free survival. However, in view of no overall survival difference, morbidity outcomes, which are missing in our study, need to be discussed with the patient before surgery. Also, the tumor dimension could represent another variable to be taken into consideration, as of course, a 21 millimeters tumor is different from a 39 millimeters tumor. Mm. Moreover, local recurrences require chemoradiation in most of cases which definitely has short and long-term consequences for patients, which will definitely overweight the additional morbidity related to high radicality of the surgery. Yeah. So multiple factors needs to be balanced and discussed with the patient. Yeah. And, and, and to, that, to that end, uh, also uh, next question from Giuseppe Cucinella, also from Italy. Um, he asked, the main factor in choosing a type B or a type C1 or C2 radical hysterectomy 
is usually the, the size of the tumor. Um, the findings in your study obviously reinforce this point, but do you think there are other factors that one should take into account when deciding what type of radical hysterectomy to perform? Thanks for this question. Thanks, Giuseppe. Uh, absolutely, tumor diameter is not the only factor to be considered when deciding the extent of radicality. According to the ESGO-SOS guidelines on cervical cancer, uh, which update has recently been published in the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer, this has to be established from a combination of non-preoperative risk factors, including tumor diameter, lymph vascular space involvement, and depth of stromal infiltration at imaging. So now, um, Giuseppe Caruso, uh, also from Italy, I think you obviously also know him as well. Um, he always asks about methodology. Uh, he has very good questions usually about methodology. And he asked the decision to perform a type B or a type C1 or 2 radical hysterectomy was based on the attending surgeon's preference and adapted to the tumor size and preoperative characteristics. Some of these baseline differences, grade, histotype, LVSI, were adjusted between the two groups by propensity score matching. However, no data are available on other important variables such as stromal invasion, perineural invasion, and especially potential stromal ring disruption. Do you think that these represent a crucial bias in the interpretation of the results? Uh, yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Giuseppe. Uh, we have to acknowledge the lack of information on the depth of stromal infiltration as a limitation of the present study. We believe this is an important factor to decide extent of radicality. However, all selected patients uh, uh, selected for surgery had no stromal ring disruption and no parameter infiltration at preoperative imaging, as this represented an indication for chemoradiotherapy. Also, due to the lack of prospective evidence, the recommendation does not specify the exact combination of, of the risk factors, which is currently not harmonized so it is difficult to test them together in a prognostic model. What our study shows is that the higher uh, the risk group, the radicality of surgery matters. Excellent. Now, um, turning over to Matt Weger from the University of Wisconsin, he has two questions. The first, the current study excluded patients with lymph node metastases on final pathology in an attempt to isolate yeah. the of radical surgery on survival outcomes for patients in this cohort. Does this limit the ability to generalize this data, given that all patients undergoing radical hysterectomy for early cervical cancer usually undergo lymph node assessment? Could the exclusion of patients with occult nodal involvement overemphasize the survival benefit noted for the greater than two centimeter subgroup? Uh, this is a great point of discussion, Matt. Thanks for the question. Uh, I agree that excluding node-positive patients might somehow alter the real-world scenario of radical hysterectomy in apparent early-stage cervical, cervical cancer. However, the latest version of the ESCO-ESTROESP guidelines promote the use of frozen section to abandon radical hysterectomy in case of lymph node metastasis detected intraoperatively, 
following the known results of the ABRAX trial. This should decrease more and more the incidence of unexpected node positive patients. On the other hand, we might discuss the further role of more radical surgery in patients with node metastasis, in whom a more radical approach in parameter resection might remove the occult lymphatic metastasis that have already transited from the uterus to the pelvic nodes. So Nico, this other question, uh, I think is a really good question also from Matt. And, um, you know, obviously the study was evaluating patients from 2007 to 2016. So before the LAC trial results were published. So his question is, patients were only included in this analysis if they underwent an open radical hysterectomy consistent with current practices following the LAC trial. However, in a historical cohort, Factors not captured could influence a surgeon's decision to proceed with open versus minimally invasive route. How do you reconcile this historical laparotomy cohort and the potential for biases with laparotomy as the current standard in radical hysterectomy for cervical cancer? In other words, this is a study when the indications for an open radical hysterectomy might have been different than the current indications. How do you reconcile for this? Well, thanks for pointing this out, actually. This is an excellent point. Fully agree that retrospective exclusion of minimally invasive surgery might have excluded a subgroup of patients uh, that were like not today's patients, like not only obese patients, but all the others. However, more and more retrospective studies have showed survival impairment in minimally invasive approach, particularly for tumors more than two centimeters. And for this reason, we prefer to avoid bias related to the approach compared to the risk of not capturing factors influencing surgeon's choice. I also have to mention that in the original SCAN study, which has been published a couple of years ago, uh, the multivariate analysis did not uh, find uh, any um, survival uh, impairment related to the approach. So now, uh, Jessica Mauro asked about an interesting point, neoadjuvant chemotherapy. Um, she says, as known for fertility sparing surgery, do you think that the use of neoadjuvant chemotherapy in tumors greater than two centimeters could be an option to reduce the tumor volume in order to avoid more radical surgery? Well, interesting point, Jessica. Thank you. Uh, on one hand, of course, we know that SVOESTRO-ESP guidelines suggest the avoidance of combined and multiple therapies when not required. On the other side, it would be interesting to plan a well-designed prospective trial on this. However, we need to balance the morbidity associated with neoadjuvant chemotherapy with the one associated with radical hysterectomy, which we know it can be considered the treatment that, given alone, can cure patients with tumors between two and four centimeters. So, Nico, now um, I'm going to go to a question by Giuseppe Caruso, um, which, of course, obviously addresses a very important principle in cervical cancer management. He says the preoperative management of cervical cancer patients analyzed in this study included at least one modern imaging modality for clinical staging 
It also included multidisciplinary team discussion, highly experienced gynecologic oncologists, dedicated pathologists. However, the vast majority of new cases of cervical cancer occur in low and middle income countries where all of these elements may not be available. What do the authors suggest to implement these findings in such countries? Fully agree, fully agree, Giuseppe. Thank you for this question. Uh, fully agree that this is the study that comes from tertiary uh, centers located in developed countries and that the low income countries might have difficulties in adequately perform uh, preoperative assessment. However, what could be thought is about the role of ultrasound scan, which in expert ends has been proven to be accurate in assessing tumor extent. And this might represent a relatively cheap tool to be implemented in these countries after, of course, adequate training of the local doctors. So, Nico, now, um, obviously, a very large study, lots of work. Um, but what would you say are the strengths of your study? And more importantly, what are the weaknesses of the study? Sure. One of the uh, main strengths of this study is that it includes patients from 20 international referral centers. And actually, I take this opportunity to thank one by one the co-authors and and all the uh, all the surgeons and the colleagues from these departments. Uh, collecting these centers were collecting data on radicality of the surgery, which was categorized according to a standardized classification with a relatively low incidence of adjuvant treatment. Also, the perioperative management of the included patients uh, followed national and international guidelines. And lastly, we included patients operated in a relatively recent and short period of time. We included patients operated from 2007 to 2016 for 10 years. Of course, we have to acknowledge few limitations. First, the retrospective nature of the study. Furthermore, no information on depth of stromal infiltration was reported, as we mentioned. Number of patients with pre-treatment suspicious parameter involvement was not documented. Mm. We lack perioperative morbidity outcomes, and, and I have to admit this is a big luck because, uh, of course, it is known from literature that uh, morbidity uh, is much higher in patients undergoing non-nerve sparing radical hysterectomy. Imaging for assessment of metastatic disease was not standardized and no information as to the frequency of surveillance or practice uh, uh, patterns to detect recurrences. And lastly, there is a potential classification bias as defining the various types of radical hysterectomy is still nowadays a challenge for any surgeons. And uh, what is considered a type B by one might be considered a type B by another surgeon and vice versa. And we need to work on this. We need to work on all of the gynecologic oncologists to speak the same language. And for this, we thank uh, all those authors who are trying to standardize and, and uh, uh, apply the classification to the surgeries. Absolutely. So, Nico, two more questions now from our fellows looking into the future. Uh, one of them is from Jessica Mauro, and she asks, is there a role for artificial intelligence in modulating surgical radicality? 
Great point and great vision, Jessica. Uh, uh, artificial intelligence is rapidly growing in gynecological oncology, and we can see every day under our eyes, under our our in the smartphone, wherever. I think the answer is yes. Artificial intelligence might be of aid to further decide how to tailor radicality of radical hysterectomy, possibly taking into account those risk factors for local pelvic recurrence and select those patients who might really benefit from higher extent radicality from those who might not. Yeah, that, that'll be uh, very interesting what our artificial intelligence brings to our field in the next uh, few years. And Nico, one last question. Uh, you know, certainly we just learned of the recent results of the SHAPE trial, looking at patients with tumors less than two centimeters. So this last question is asking as to whether there should be a prospective analysis, perhaps a randomized trial of tumors two to four centimeters looking at radical surgery versus less radical surgery. Thank you for the, this question. Uh, the analysis was performed in our study uh, between two and four centimeter. Uh, and uh, actually we showed a difference and this could represent a hypothesis generating tool. Uh, we have also randomized studies comparing more versus less radical hysterectomy, but of course this was not limited in tumors between two and, and four centimeters. Therefore, it could be really interesting to to take these results in order to develop a proper uh, a pro proper collection of of cases possibly in a prospective randomized way thank you excellent so nico thank you so much nicola bizzari from uh, gemelli hospital in in rome uh, absolutely again congratulations for the amount of work and effort that you put into the study i i i saw it as it was being uh, developed and and certainly uh, congratulations uh, to you for for finally uh, publishing it and, um, and, and and sharing with us uh, those results. Thank you again. Thank you, Pedro. Thanks to the International Journal of Ecological Cancer for the endless opportunities, and thanks for uh, to all the collaborators of this study, uh, uh, which was really a great journey. Thank you.